and welcome to Drug Target Review's podcast. I'm Victoria Rees, Deputy Editor of Drug Target Review. Today we have a special episode as I discuss cell and gene therapies with two speakers at our Cell and Gene Therapy Advancements Online Summit. This virtual conference is being held on the 3rd to 4th of November this year and speakers will discuss a huge range of topics from CRISPR to adoptive cell therapies to stem cells to personalised medicine. We hope to see you there. You can sign up to hear about the most innovative developments in cell and gene therapies by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. But now, time to get to know our speakers. We have Dr. Sam Wadsworth, Chief Scientific Officer from Ultragenics Pharmaceutical, who will be discussing the immune response to AAV vectors, and Dr. Eric Ostertag, CEO of Poseida Therapeutics, who will cover targeting CAR T-cells to solid tumours. So, let's get into it. First up, we have Dr. Sam Wadsworth. Hi, Sam. It's great to speak with you today. Hello. So, um, Sam, before we get into our questions, could you just give a bit of a brief background to yourself? Right. So, just going backwards, I'm the Chief Scientific Officer of Ultragenics Gene Therapy, which is based in Cambridge. And uh, I've been doing gene therapy, specifically AAV gene therapy, for somewhere in the range of 30 years before I was the CSO of Ultragenics, I was the CSO of a startup company called Dimension Therapeutics, which was an AV gene therapy company. And before that, I was the global head of gene therapy for Sanofi Genzyme. Perfect. Thank you. So, of course, uh, today we'll be talking about AV vectors. And I wanted to start off by asking you, why are they ideal for delivering gene therapies? Right. So, uh, AV vectors are ideal for many applications, and the basic simple reasons are they have a great safety profile and they have long duration of expression. So those are two really important features. The other major form of gene therapy, of course, is you know lenti vectors, uh, lenti modified genetically modified cells, and those are not administered uh, directly to the patient which is another uh, advantage of AV in that it's manufactured as a biologic and QC'd and, and stored and shipped to the site where the uh, patient needs the therapy and given directly to the patient. Now, I'll, I'll say that the other clear reason today, I mean, those things have been clear for a while, but today we have clear proof that AV vectors can be life-saving. And I'll give you the example of Zolgensma as an excellent example, saving the lives of kids with SMA. So it's clear that they have a tremendous benefit and ability to deliver life-saving therapies. Now, at Ultragenics, we anticipated uh, you know, really long ago the success of things like uh, Zolgensma, and we built our AV gene therapy pipeline based on you know, similar clear biology and unmet medical need in the rare space. Fantastic. So obviously, AV vectors have shown fantastic promise for delivering gene therapies, but they can still trigger a response from the immune system. Can you give a bit of detail in it and explain why that happens? Yes, it's not a mystery at all why AAV vectors trigger an immune response from the immune system. After all, AAV is based on a virus, adeno-associated virus. So the fact that these AAV vectors can trigger an immune response is really expected. It's not surprising in the slightest. So that's not going to go away. But the critical thing 
to understand is how to manage the immune response. And again, if we look at the Ultragenics OTC and GSD-1A programs, for example, they're advancing into phase three in the coming months at doses that have not engendered the serious adverse events that are drawing attention these days, such as from very high dose indications. And we've only required modest steroid treatment to allow for continued gene expression. Now, as we advance the field, of course, and us advance into indications that will require higher vector doses, we are doing so with the benefit of the learnings from our current clinical programs. And I'll just add that we designed our platform to deliver the highest quality product, in particular, a high proportion of uh, full AV vectors, which makes them more potent. And this increased potency is a critical component of keeping vector doses as low as possible while still achieving the desired therapeutic benefit for patients. Fantastic. So could you just go into a bit of detail about that and, uh, and outline your strategy for reducing the immune response? As I've mentioned, you know, you want, you want the product to be as fully potent as possible. And that takes a great deal of thought and planning from the very beginning. So when we designed our manufacturing processes, we designed them with uh, commercial use, clinical use and commercial use in mind from the very outset instead of simply trying to get into the clinic. So the, the vector product itself and how you manufacture it and how you uh, test it uh, and so on is, is critical. And then also we are engaging in two major areas to attempt to control the immune response. Three, really, I've already mentioned, trying to maintain as low a dose as possible by way of potency. But we have very significant research programs to intervene with pharmacological agents and biologic immune suppression agents to dampen down any immune response that might occur. And we are also doing research on how to improve the biodistribution, if you will, or the delivery of the vector to the target organ or tissue. Mm. So what have your most promising findings shown? Well, I'll go back to the, to the clinical programs, and we have shown a durable response uh, in the clinical programs for which we have advanced clinical data, OTC and GSD-1A. There, Patients in those um, programs have been on drug, and you, you realize, of course, this is a one-dose therapy with AAV vectors. They've been, quote-unquote, on drug for years now, and obviously the fact that we're entering into phase three, we have confidence that these results will be sustained. So durable response, and you remember at the beginning, I said that AV vectors are ideal for gene therapy because of that long duration response, which is being proven out in, in the clinic now. Mm, definitely. So thinking ahead slightly more now to the future, do you think that AV vectors will continue to be widely used for delivering gene therapies? 
I do. It's it's clear that the field in general will will continue to innovate and new players will emerge. It, it's clear that it's taken a long time to get to the point we are with AAV gene therapy vectors, and there are new innovations every day, but they, they will take time to um, become more prominent. So yes, uh, AV vectors will continue to be used because of the safety and efficacy that's been shown. And, and we truly believe this because we've invested, you know, end to end from research, development, manufacturing. We're building our own manufacturing plant right now, as you probably know, here in uh, Massachusetts. So th- this investment will continue. And again, really focusing on our passion, our drive to make these uh, drugs available to all patients who need them around the world. Well, thank you so much for some absolutely fantastic answers there. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks once again to Dr. Sam Wadsworth from Ultragenics Pharmaceutical. Don't forget, you can catch him discussing AAV vectors in more depth at Drug Target Review Cell and Gene Therapy Advancements Online Summit. Our next speaker is, of course, Dr. Eric Ostertag from Poseida Therapeutics who will explore targeting CAR T-cells to solid tumors. Hi, Eric. Hi, Victoria. This is Eric Ostertag. I'm the CEO of Poseidon Therapeutics, which is a genetic engineering company that I founded about seven years ago, but we actually spun out of another company I founded called Transposigen, which was a pioneer in the genetic engineering space going back now almost 20 years. Fantastic. So I wanted to start out by asking you a general question. Can you explain why CAR T-cells are successful against blood cancers and then why they've seen limited success against solid tumors? Well, that statement may no longer be true given our results that we just shared in solid tumor indication, but I will answer the question for other people's products, which generally speaking, you are correct, have worked fairly well for hematologic or blood malignancies, but not at all for solid tumor indications. And there are a lot of thoughts in the field for why this is the case. One of which is that blood tumors are relatively easy to access for a CAR-T product. And that's not always the case for solid tumor indication. And then there are other hypotheses that revolve around what I'll call tumor micro environment, meaning that Solid tumors have certain things, whether it be hypoxia in the center of the tumor or checkpoint inhibitors that cause problems with T cells killing the solid tumors. What we've found with our platform is that using a very special type of T cell called stem cell memory or TSCM cell that are technology platform uniquely allows us to select for, we actually are able to get success against solid tumors. So some of those things I just mentioned that might inhibit a typical CAR-T product seems not to be a problem, at least in some patients that have solid tumor indications that we've treated. Fantastic. So could you just go into a bit more detail about Poseidon therapeutic strategies to engineer CAR T cells against solid tumors and and how that really works? Well, first of all, the platforms that we use are non-viral. 
And by using a non-viral technology, the one that we use for gene delivery is called piggyback. It's a DNA transposon. That technology preferentially transposes into these desirable TSCM cells. Whereas if you look, for example, at the common lentivirus technology that most other companies use, to get that infected and then transduced, which would be the equivalent of our transposition into a T cell, you have to activate the cells. And when you do that, you already lose the very desirable TSCM cells that, that might be present because they start to differentiate. So the process really starts with the non-viral technologies. And then we have a lot of other learnings and tools in manufacturing to maintain the stemness or even increase the stemness during manufacturing. And that could include the cell media, which favors renewal of the stem cells and prevents for differentiation. And even when you start talking about a fully allogeneic platform, this would be a product that you could make off the shelf, give to anyone with that indication. Uh, that's where we're headed right now with all of our CAR-T products. Even there, after a gene editing step, we're able to get very high percent TSCM cells. And in fact, we can increase the percent TSCM because now we're starting, instead of using cells from a potentially unhealthy donor or more elderly patient that might not have many TSCM cells, now we're getting cells from a typically younger, healthier donor that has a higher percent of, of these TSCM cells. Brilliant, thank you. And uh, what have your most promising findings shown? Just a few weeks ago, we showed our very first data from a solid tumor indication. This is using an autologous or individualized CAR-T approach for a target called PSMA, and this is on prostate cancer cells. So the specific indication is called metastatic castrate-resistant prostate cancer. And unfortunately for these patients, they have a pretty advanced form prostate cancer that has failed everything else. They have a very high unmet medical need, typically very short survival times after they've failed the standard medications. And just to give you an example, one patient that we treated with a single dose, and it was a very low dose, only about 20 million CAR T cells, that patient showed evidence of complete tumor elimination. And we showed that both by a biomarker called PSA, we showed that by very sophisticated imaging technology called PSMA PET scan. And we even did a bone marrow biopsy at the site of former tumor, which showed complete tumor elimination. It showed our product at the site of the tumor. So by all measures, it appeared that the tumor was completely eliminated or nearly completely eliminated. And that patient is now doing quite well more than six months out. So that is something that no one has seen before with other CAR-T products. And in fact, even other therapeutics in this space typically have not resulted in responses like that. That is definitely some absolutely fantastic news there. And hopefully this therapeutic can reach a wide range of patients soon. I'm curious though, what kind of challenges did you face during the research and development stages for these CAR-T cells? Good question. And like everyone else, going back six, seven years ago, we thought that we would need to do what's called armoring or add 
certain genetic features to try to overcome the problems with the tumor microenvironment, which include the checkpoint inhibitors and other things I, I discussed. So we developed some quite sophisticated armoring platforms, and we assumed we would need to implement them. But during the preclinical work in a very difficult to treat animal model, we saw without the armoring, we were still getting complete tumor elimination every time, every animal, even at very low doses. So that gave us the confidence to move forward in the clinic without needing to armor the product. Having said that, it's possible that armoring would make the product even better. It's possible that combining with other drugs like checkpoint inhibitor drugs would make the effects even better. And certainly making an allogeneic version or off the shelf, which is on our pipeline, it's in progress, would be advantageous to patients. So there's still work to be done. Definitely. And just thinking ahead to the future now, do you see CAR T cells being used against solid tumors much more widely in the future? And what kind of timescale do you think that could be on? Well, absolutely. And one thing I think that the PPSMA 101 data shows is that CAR-T can work and can work quite effectively against solid tumors. We also have high confidence in our allogeneic platform. So if you combine those two facts, then you're talking about a product that should be low cost to manufacture. And I think if you combine those two things, a good safety profile with low cost of manufacturing, that makes CAR-T very accessible. So I'll leave you with one more really exciting thought. Later this year, we have an IND on a fully allogeneic CAR-T product candidate, and it's targeting what we're calling a pan-solid tumor target. The name of that target is MUC1C, and it's expressed specifically on a lot of epithelial-derived cancers. That's a long list. That includes breast cancer, ovarian cancer, many different types of lung cancer, colorectal cancer, so all, all the big ones that people think about when you say solid tumor. And you can imagine having a pan-solid tumor therapeutic that's off the shelf with efficacy would be, of course, quite exciting. And I think it would make CAR-T very useful in the regimen of solid tumor therapies. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Eric Ostag, for speaking with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Victoria. My pleasure. Thank you to both Dr. Sam Wadsworth and Dr. Eric Ostertag for their insightful discussions. Thanks for listening. And don't forget that you can hear more from Sam and Eric by signing up to Drug Target Review's Cell and Gene Therapy Advancements Online Summit using the link in the description. I hope to see you there.